Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA show. This one's a little bit different, of course, just like every other media platform and uh, every television network. We're all reacting to what's going on in terms of the coronavirus, COVID-19, and self-isolation, of course, and uh, making sure that we uh, engage in social distancing, trying not to allow this pandemic to spread rapidly as it has in a lot of other countries. So I'm recording this from my home. I'll be doing most of the work that I do going forward from my home until all of this is cleared up and safe to go back to the office. And uh, hopefully we can resume our lives in a, a regular, regular way. But uh, as for now, we still have a lot to talk about in the world of mixed martial arts. There was an event this past weekend, as shocking as it is to say today, knowing what we know now, UFC Fight Night in Brasilia, which had a fantastic main event. Kevin Lee, Charles Oliveira, um, and then, of course, Gilbert Burns, with a fantastic win over Demi Meyer. We'll cover that card a little bit later on. But first, I want to talk about the MMA world right now and uh, the fact that we don't have any events going on as a result of the government mandate to have, at least in the U United States, to have mass gatherings or gatherings, period, limited to 10 or less people, making it impossible for the UFC to operate um, their business in the way that they would like to operate their business right now. You know, Dana White told me in an interview that you'll hear later on today on this show. If you continue to listen to the show today, I always uh, forget that in a podcasting format, you can listen to it anytime. But if you're listening to this on radio, please continue to listen, and you'll hear my interview with Dana White where he says that if mass gatherings of 50 or less people were allowed, they would have continued to hold events. They wanted to hold an event uh, as per an interview he did on ESPN at uh, on tribal land in Oklahoma. That was where they were looking to hold an event, and uh, unfortunately for them, the uh, CDC changed the recommendation to limit gatherings to 10 or less people. So right now, the UFC is a little bit in limbo. They've postponed three events, this upcoming one in London, England, the one next week in Columbus, Ohio, the scheduled to be in Columbus, Ohio, and then uh, April 11th in Portland. Those have all been postponed to a later date. And uh, it seems what the UFC is hoping to do in order to uh, recoup those events is to eventually, once the CDC changes their recommendation on mass gatherings or gatherings, that they will hold those at the UFC apex as long as the Nevada State Athletic Commission removes their suspension on, uh, I guess, their moratorium, rather, on holding combat sports events in, in the state. So we don't know when that could be. At this rate, the coronavirus pandemic is growing at a rapid rate in the United States. Um, it seems like there's sometimes 30, 30 to 45% more cases each day. And uh, it's, a, it's a scary time. It's a scary time all over the world when you look at uh, what's happening with the coronavirus. And I, I would strongly urge people to stay at home and uh, you know do practice social distancing. I want to see my grandmother. My, my, my grandmother is nearly 90 years old. And uh, you know I would, there's nothing more that I would like to do than to see her listen to her tell stories and get to, you know, discuss life with her. Um, she's deaf, so I can't call her, and uh, her vision is really bad. So to talk to her via FaceTime or Facebook Messenger or any of those uh, visual um, mediums doesn't do much for her and likely won't do much for me other than getting to see her face. But, you know, in, in person, I'm able to communicate with her. So, I mean, long of the short is the reason why we're doing social distancing is – to avoid people like my grandmother, people that have weaker immune systems, 
people that are more prone to having really dire situations that could uh, pose a problem from being in contact with someone who has the coronavirus. And the other thing about the coronavirus is, you know, I'm in my 30s. I'm in good shape. I could be, I could have it right now and be completely asymptomatic and still be carrying it, which is really the scariest part about this particular uh, virus. And that's what Donovan Mitchell said when he was on Good Morning America. He's like, I feel nothing right now. I don't feel sick. I feel great. I feel physically healthy. I feel like I could go play basketball. But that's the scariest part about this virus is that I know that I have it. I'm carrying it and I could pass it on to other people without even knowing that I have it. So that's really the, the, the frightening thing about the coronavirus. And I think that's one of the things that is problematic with the UFC's approach right now is that if one of their athletes got the coronavirus, they could have gotten it at an airport coming back from Brasilia. Ashley Evans-Smith went to London because she expected the event to, to go on as planned. She could have come in contact with it at the airport. You know, Tristan Connolly, who I spoke to, he was at three different airports, and he um, is putting himself into self-isolation for 14 days. His wife is pregnant. He doesn't want to risk her health, so he's putting himself into self-isolation for 14 days to see how he feels. But if an athlete from the UFC is in peak physical condition, these are some of the best athletes in the world today, um, in their, typically in their 30s, you know, median age, probably late 20s to early, early 40s, somewhere in the middle, probably say 33 years old, 32 years old, in peak shape, in the gym every day, working out, hitting pads, making sure they're in the best shape of their life so that they can be at their best for the next competition. I'm not afraid of the coronavirus affecting them for the most part. I don't think they're afraid. I don't think Dana White's afraid. And I, don't, and I think that that's a fair thing to say, that, that if they were to get the coronavirus, it would be like them getting the flu or something along those lines, and they probably wouldn't feel that many symptoms of it. Maybe they'd be sick in bed, uh, have some trouble breathing like the coronavirus is um, supposed to have an effect on is your, your breathing. I totally understand why they're not afraid of getting it, and I, I get that. And uh, even me and myself, I'm not worried about contracting it. If I contract it, I contract it. I have kids in my house. That part is scary. My wife, obviously. I don't want any of us to contract it. But we're all not the age that, that this pandemic really has dire effects on. So that's why I think the UFC needs to err on the side of caution with a lot of the different things that they're doing, especially with trying to go forward with events. Like, Believe me, there's nothing more in the world I would like to do on Saturday this Saturday, than to sit at home and watch a UFC event. I'll probably be watching Cage Warriors on Friday because it's happening. Nothing I'm going to do is going to stop it from happening. I haven't even been critical about the UFC holding events. I, you know, I, I, I think if they feel like they, they can do it safely, then that that's fine. I mean, it's their business. They can run it the way they want to run it. Do I think that it is a, a shade reckless? Sure. I mean, listen, if somebody who is part of that event, and let's say there's 30 people in the room, one of them has it, comes into contact with another person. That's how this this, this virus is spread. You know, that there's evidence that shows that. You know, you, this can be passed just by all kinds of different types of transmission. Even on a surface, it can it can stay on a surface for, I think it was like three days or something, two to three days. Um, again, you can look up this research online. If I'm getting it wrong, I apologize. But so if somebody, let's say one of the competitors on a card that has 26 competitors, let's say there's 13 fights goes, you know, somehow has it. They don't, they try to test for it, but, you know, it doesn't seem like there's that many accurate tests right now. 
they're not doing. It doesn't seem like screening was um, all that thorough in Brasilia, from what uh, Guilherme Cruz of uh, MMA Fighting said. And even when I spoke to Dana White, it didn't seem like they had a really thorough, you know, test that was being done to, to test specifically for COVID-19. If one fighter is on that mat and it gets transmitted to another fighter to another fighter, the worst thing that could happen is that one of these fighters goes home, spreads the virus to someone else unknowingly, and then they spread that to their grandmother and something bad happens. Like This is the way that we need to think. We don't need to think about ourselves in this situation. That's why we're in self-isolation. That's why we're avoiding leaving the house, avoiding going to public places. Because we need to keep this thing under control and that's the only way to get rid of it other than everybody getting it. If everybody gets it, perhaps they haven't really come up with evidence that can fully support that you won't get it a second time. That's also scary, of course. But, you know, they keep saying flatten the curve, flatten the curve. Stay at home, limit your contact with other people. And uh, that's the way that this disease will stop from spreading. So with that in mind, I don't think that there's anything wrong with suggesting that maybe you just hold off on doing events for now. And the UFC is doing that until the law changes. They're, they say they're following lockstep with the government. So I do want to talk about one quote, though, that came out uh, today. It was from, I guess, from Dana White did an Instagram live with Kamaru Usman. And uh, here, let me find this quote. Here's one of the quotes. Here's the reality. We will be up and running before any other sport will. Our sport's different. We have our own arena next door. So we will fill every fight for every fighter this year, and we'll get this thing done. Great. I mean, again, if, if the Nevada State Athletic Commission finds a way for them to use the Apex and that's sanctioned, by all means. I mean, listen, it is a very controlled environment. The people that are doing production have their own control room. I've been in the Apex. I've toured the Apex. I think that they could, if they limit the amount of people in there, if they do proper screening for COVID-19, you can do an event. I mean, listen, it's a small gathering space. Do I think that it's the best idea? Maybe not. But I, I don't think that, you know, if, if that's the way they want to run their business, they can run their business. There are people running offices right now where they have still have all the people, you know, all the people in the office. There are people running at retail right now that have people that are working. People are working at the grocery stores. People are working at the airports. In fact, there's lots of people at the airport that were shoulder to shoulder waiting for hours to get through um, security, through customs, through, you know, to get their baggage. We should, all of, we should be critical of all of these things. It's not just the UFC that are getting pointed at for having gatherings where people could potentially spread this pandemic, spread this virus. So we need to keep our eyes open to everything. Absolutely. So this is where I think that um, we need to be a little bit critical. And uh, Dana White said to Usman on this stream, I believe, uh, think about this. Go online and look at some of these people. And this isn't a knock. This is just a fact. The weakest, wimpiest people on earth cover the biggest, baddest sport on earth. What do you expect them to say? What do you think they're going to say? So when I see this, again, he's entitled to his opinion. He can say, I, I don't take it personally, whatever. It's fine. I'm, I'm a member of I'm, – I'm being targeted as being weak and wimpy by Dana White, and that's fine. I, again, I, what am I going to do? I'm not going to you know, challenge the guy to a duel to prove you know, <laughs> that, that, I'm, that I'm not a, a weak person or a wimp or whatever. But if – the reason why he's calling people weak and wimpy is because they feel like the UFC shouldn't be holding events in order to help contain a virus. 
Well, then, sure, you can call me that. I mean, listen, I don't want my grandmother to die. Mother to die. I don't want anybody's grandmother to die. I don't want anybody's parent to die. I don't want anybody to die from a virus that where you can control the way that it's spread. That's just the reality of the situation. So if that makes me a wimp, then I'll own it. No problem. However, I do think that as a member of the media, we need to look at this and 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 not sugarcoat it. You know, the, the headline on MMA, MMA Junkie, I, I pointed out earlier, was that Dana White says that people that are criticizing their approach to the coronavirus are the weakest and wimpiest people. That's not what he said. He said people that are covering the sport. So we need to own that, and we need to, you know, either defend ourselves or say, okay, well, he's entitled to his opinion, whatever, whatever you want to do. You can react to it however you want to do. I'll just say he's entitled to his opinion, and he is. If that's what he believes, then I can't, I can't change his opinion. So there's nothing that I'm going to be able to say to change his opinion. Uh, however, I will say this. There's nothing I would like to do more this Saturday than cover a UFC event on location. If the UFC was in Brooklyn this Saturday and it was Tony versus – like that would be a dream come true for me if I could do that without any sort of concern about a virus or this pandemic. That's freedom to me. That's, that's the definition of freedom. And I think that Dana White – the definition of freedom is being able to hold these events without being criticized or allowing his, his fighters to earn a, a salary or earn rather a, a paycheck by going out and doing what they're best at. And I agree that is freedom. They have the freedom to do that, but we also need to weigh the costs. We need to weigh the risks. Another thing I'd love to do is go to a buffet and have a meal. Would love that. But I know that that's not the right thing to do under these circumstances. I'd love to go and over to a buddy's house and, uh, and hang out with them, talk, listen to music, play video games. That's freedom. We don't have that freedom right now. I, we do. I mean, I could go do that. But personally, I don't feel that I have that freedom right now without putting others at risk. I would love to, you know, go to a concert. I love music. If you look behind me during these hits I've been doing, you'll see my, my vinyl box sets that I have. I would love to go to a concert. Nothing I would enjoy more right now than to go to a concert and, and watch some live music. It would give me such joy, especially after this week. This week's been it's, it feels like it's been going on so, so slowly. It's amazing that you know a week ago I was in the office as like a normal day. So I, I just I can't go to a concert. If the, even if they were holding concerts, I wouldn't go. If I could see my favorite band. They were holding a concert, and I got a ticket, and there were only 100 people in attendance. It was a very exclusive concert. I wouldn't go. I just couldn't put my family at risk like that. So this isn't about the UFC. This isn't about Dana White's decision to move forward with events. It's, it's not. It really isn't. At its core, that's not what it's about. So for Dana White to come out and say that people, you know, what, what do you expect them to say? What do you think they're going to say? Listen, if it makes me, again, weak and wimpy to point out that it might not be the best idea right now to, to hold a sporting event where people could be exposed to a virus, then, you know, call it for what it is. That's fine. Are the NBA wimpy? Are the NHL wimpy? The NHL could hold games in an, an empty arena. What about tennis? How many people do you need for tennis? You need a line judge. You need the people that get the balls. You need two athletes, and you could do commentary up in a the booth. They could hold tennis events in a, an empty space right now. 
and broadcast it. That's that's less than 10 people. But are they doing that? Is the ATP or WTA holding closed tennis events because they need to keep the train moving? No. Are they wimps? Because they're not going forward by, by following the minimum requirement. They could, they could get it done with the minimum requirement. You can see badminton matches. The problem with MMA is you need to have judges. You need to have cornermen. You need to have... Um, you know, employees to monitor things. You need to have the. It's just not possible to have a guy, you know, less than ten people. Dana White said that himself. But the sports that are able to do it with less than ten people, I mean, you want to call them wimpy. I mean, Major League Baseball could have a pitching machine pitch balls to guys while they sock some dingers, hit some home runs. If they held that event, I wouldn't blame them. If they if they could screen their athlete, they could put them in the stadium. Have a, a pitching machine pitch a ball to them, and they can hit it out into the crowd. We could see how ma- who hits the most home runs in a minute. Cool. I'd be I'd watch that. It'd be fine. In fact, if the UFC did an event this weekend, I'd watch it. I wouldn't boycott it. I wouldn't think it's the best idea. But again, there's nothing more I would rather do than watch an event. That's freedom to me. And right now we're at a time where some of our freedoms have been compromised. That we, you know, if if we do want to do our duty as citizens and try to limit the footprint of this disease, limit how many people get the coronavirus and try to stop the spreading of it, we all have to do our part. And that's just the reality of the situation right now. So that's why when, you know, Dana White says something like that, again, he's entitled to his opinion, that's fine. But I think that we, we need to start looking at the big picture. Here's another quote. Listen, the media can talk as much blank as they want. They don't feed families. They don't take care of blank people. They don't have people that count on them. They don't have people to support. We're doing the right thing as far as medical testing goes and everything. That's all we bleeping do. That's nothing new. We were doing that blank way before the coronavirus. We were taking care of people and making sure that everybody's healthy. And every fighter that's with me on the road is getting much better medical attention than they are at home. If they're with me. You know what I mean? I told my whole roster, if you or your loved ones have any type of situations or anything wrong, call me. I'll do everything in my power to make sure they, that you get taken care of. Very noble. I understand that he has people to feed. He, ha- I have, I mean, I have three, I have four people to feed. I've got my wife, well, me, I guess, if you include me. I've got five people to feed. I've got to put table, food on the table for five people. He has to put food on the table for a massive amount of people. And he wants to run his business in a way where he can try to... Uh, mitigate any sort of or limit limit any sort of layoffs. He says they haven't laid off a single person. That's great. Believe me, I I think that is amazing. And if they're doing all the right thing with medical testing, if they're able to test pre-screen for the coronavirus, there are coronavirus tests. NBA players seem to be getting these coronavirus tests and uh, a lot of them have tested positive sadly, but if they're able to do this the right way, I have no problem with it. Honestly, I don't. If if they can get figure out a way if the CDC says okay, we're going to we're going to increase the amount of gatherings to 20 people. And they can figure out a way to do it from the apex, 20 people. The Nevada State Athletic Commission says, okay, we're going to, we're going to sanction this. We're going to oversee this event, provide oversight. Perfect. Run your event. Honestly, you won't hear a complaint from me. If you have guys in locker rooms, you have different rooms of the apex where you're going to have less than 20 people at a time. Honestly, by all means, hold your event. I won't, I won't criticize it. If you're following the 
the legal record, the whatever the recommendations set up by the government, and you're just doing proper screening, I've got your back. I, you know, I, I'll gladly cover your event. I'll gladly watch your event, and I, I will say that you're doing a good job at, at trying to make sure that if you're going to hold these events, you're doing it under circumstances where you're limiting the amount of risk. And that's what it is. It's risk-reward. And you have to weigh risk-reward in a business. I'm realistic of that. That's why I'm, the first question I ask him when, I, when you hear the interview that I had with him later on, the first question I say I ask is, did you guys sit down and limit the risk versus the reward? The risk, of course, being someone coming into contact with the virus and the reward being having, you know, getting to hold a sporting event when there's really no other leagues in town that are going right now. You have to weigh those. I mean, if you weigh the, the risk and reward, you can go forward with an event if you think that the reward outweighs the risk. But right now, the risk is huge. Unlike anything we've ever seen before. The risk is massive. If you invest in stocks right now, very risky. If you invest in oil futures, very risky, but the price of oil is so low, you look at it and you say it's got to rebound sometime, but there's still risk. You've got to assess risk in all of these situations if you're running a business. And if Dana White is able to assess the risk and find a way to hold an event where you're limiting the spread of the coronavirus and you're keeping the safety of your athletes, your employees in mind, and you're able to do it, by all means, please. You know, I'm not, I'm not critical of that. I think that you have to run a business. I agree with him 100%. Right now, TSN, you know, we're running our business the best way we can in order to eliminate the risks that this pandemic poses. So all I ask is that everybody do the best that they can. That's all I ask. Everybody, if you're listening to this, do the best that you can. Hopefully the best that you can is good enough. As mentioned earlier, I did get a chance to speak with UFC President Dana White about, I guess, his current state of his business. And when I ask these questions, the reason why I ask them, like in all of my interviews, I say it's a very simple mantra. I ask questions that I want to know the answers to. So the way that I framed these questions were very pointed. I just wanted to put the ball on the tee for Dana White to hit the ball. They were short-pointed questions, and... I made them in a way where I was hoping to get an explanation for certain things. And I hope that I was able to achieve that during this interview. So here's my interview with UFC President Dana White from earlier this week. I'm joined now by UFC President Dana White. Dana, you're in the comfort of your own home. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm home. I'm, I'm, I'm on lockdown. So you guys were looking to continue events for as long as possible. What kind of uh, work was done to weigh the risks? The risks, obviously, uh, one of the fighters coming in contact with the coronavirus and potentially carrying it uh, asymptomatically, and the reward of being able to provide entertainment to the public and uh, you know being able to provide to your broadcast partners. How how was that risk weighed? Listen, we we health and safety is always an issue with us. You know, a lot of these different businesses don't deal with this type of stuff. We deal with it every day. You know what I mean? We, we have the best and the brightest. We have these doctors, um, you know, who, who work with the athletes every day. And we have doctors who work with our staff too. So, you know, health and safety isn't something new for us. It's, it's, it's something we live with every day. And it's something that we think about and are focused on every day. Um, also, Solving problems and, and craziness happening is, is all part of this business. So this is, this is nothing new for us. Was there any sort of screening this past weekend for coronavirus uh, among the athletes? Um, 
No, there wasn't. There was the same stuff that's going on, uh, you know, that they tell you to do. You look for the symptoms in people, and obviously these fighters go through a ton of physicals and medicals before they, uh, you know, before they compete. So give me an honest answer here. Had the CDC not recommended that mass gatherings of 10 or more people uh, not happen, and it was still 50 or more, would there be an, an event this coming Saturday? Sure. Of course there would. And we followed and complied all the rules. Every time they came out and said, no, I can't remember what the first what number was. Then the second number was 50. So we figured that out. And then once they got to 10, we're good. But yeah, we can't pull that one off. So if you're trying to follow the lead of the government, why try to circumvent them by doing the events on tribal land? Well, we didn't circumvent them. We, we talked to them. All of them were in the loop. They were in the loop on everything that we were doing. I would never go do something without checking with the athletic commissions first and making sure that they were okay with it. All right, so three events postponed uh, so far. Uh, are you planning on doing the same amount of events this year as you were at the beginning of the year um, with those three events taking place sometime later in 2020? Yeah, we're, we're going we're, we're gonna to do all of them uh, if we can. You know, obviously, you know, if you asked me questions 10 days ago, I could answer any question you threw at me. Um, I don't know a lot of things right now, I, you know, Think about this. Las Vegas shut down the casinos. I never thought I would see that in my lifetime or ever thought it would happen, but it has. They're shut down for 30 days. Khabib and Tony is going to happen. We're going to figure that out. We're going to make it happen. Then it's just going to be a matter of how, how quickly we can get back to, to being normal. Yeah, the pictures of the casinos being all dark is very, very eerie. Um, so with the athletes, if they were going to compete this uh, Saturday, would you have tried to put in place some sort of mandatory quarantining after the event for 14 days so that they wouldn't be able to perhaps come in contact no with idea. other people? I have no idea. I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I, I have no idea. Um, it didn't happen. So, you know, what, what we did is, just like I did with all of my employees, if any of our athletes, first of all, you know this, you've been around the sport long enough, all of our athletes have health insurance. But in these crazy times, I'm, I'm hearing that, you know, hospitals are backed up or whatever. If any of my employees or any of my guys need help, we're here for them. And, and I'll do everything in my power to make sure that everybody gets taken care of. Have you heard of any positive coronavirus tests among your athletes? I haven't. I, I don't know anybody other than, you know, famous people that are coming out and saying they have it. I don't know anybody. So UFC 249, knowing what we know today, do you feel that this event is definitely going to happen on April 18th? What percentage would you give it, give it that it happens on that exact date? Listen, again, 10 days ago, I'd have, I'd have told you things for sure. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of rolling with the punches here and have been since the beginning, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I can't honestly answer that question for you. Khabib's father said that Dubai could be a possible destination. Are you guys looking at destinations right now where that fight could happen? And obviously with travel restrictions, we don't really know how things will look in, in the coming weeks, as you've alluded to. We're looking at a lot of different things. Uh, but obviously, listen, you know, if you're a fan, a media member or whatever you might be, you want to bet against me? You want to bet that I can't pull stuff off? I mean, at some point, you stop doubting me, I, I, I would imagine, but maybe not. So we'll see. The UFC has a close relationship with the Nevada State Athletic Commission, Bob Bennett. I know that right now they've suspended combat sports until March 25th, and they're looking to reconvene on that date. Do you feel that there could be a chance that you will be able to do events from the Apex at some point in time? Obviously, with the CDC and following that lead, you'd have to wait for that particular restriction to get lifted as well. 
Yeah, at some point in time, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out as, as it all rolls. I have my own arena. I have my own production. I have, I have everything. I have everything to put on my own events. So uh, there, there isn't much that I can't pull off. All right, Dana, we're going to play a little game. It's social distancing with Dana White. You know, home, I'm at home. Our viewers are looking for something to, to fill the time. So give me a movie. What movie would uh, you recommend to our viewers? Let's go, let's go TV first. <laughs> UFC Fight Pass has a fight this Friday night from uh from england and there's tons of content on there or if you if you want to get into a tv show while you're on this i would suggest sons of anarchy movie all right um if you've never seen the movie vision quest i am a huge fan of vision quest i i i think that uh you know it's it's a very inspiring movie it, it's it's all about the meaning of life and creating um you know, achieving goals and doing great things uh, while you're young. And uh, I love that movie. All right, give us a book. I don't like books. I don't read. All right. And uh, fair enough. And finally, uh, give us an album, an album for our listeners uh, to our viewers to listen to while they're during this uh, tough time. The Beastie Boys Anthology. So they get a little bit of everything from the, the Beastie Boys catalog. Exactly. It's all the best music that the Beastie Boys have ever done. One of the greatest groups of all time. And I know that with the coronavirus, we don't know what's going to happen with that Rage Against the Machine tour that you're eagerly awaiting. Killing me. Killing me. Had my tickets, had everything set up. I was ready to go to the Rage tour. And yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for life to get back to normal. ASAP. You and I both. Hopefully that happens soon and some normalcy is uh, restored in the coming months. I appreciate your time, Dana. Thanks for doing this. Pleasure, buddy. Be safe. A big thank you to the UFC and uh, UFC President Dana White for setting up that interview. Really appreciate Dana's time, giving him an opportunity to explain just how things are looking going forward and what the thought process was for the event this past weekend. Slated to headline this upcoming weekend's event was Leon Edwards, who was to face Tyron Woodley. It was the first event he was ever going to headline in the UK, and I feel for him. I really do, because this opportunity uh, might not happen again for a while. And uh, I did get the opportunity to catch up with Leon and pick his brain about what it's like to have that sort of opportunity taken from you during this difficult time. You know, no injuries, but... Uh, Obviously, the reason for not being able to hold the event is due to the coronavirus and all of the precautions that are being taken as a result. So here's Leon Rocky Edwards discussing the the postponement rather of his fight. I'm joined now by Leon Edwards. A uh, difficult week last week, uh, and I guess this week, really. It seems like the time's going by in slow motion, but uh, the event in uh, London, unfortunately, has uh, been postponed. You were supposed to headline that event with Tyron Woodley. At what point did you start to get really concerned about the status of the event? Um, I wasn't, I wasn't really concerned because as far as UK government goes, it was kind of moving slow. So I thought I'll have enough time to fight on the, on, on the weekend and then maybe after they'll the probably implement some rules. But I, I, went, I went to sleep on Saturday night um, thinking the fight's still on. Um, I woke up Sunday morning around 9 a.m. Um, from a phone call from a manager saying... Um, the fight's been cancelled, and you need to get to get to America today. Um, within f- two hours, two three hours, get get to the airport and get to, get get to America. 
and just it just wasn't possible to to get my team together and to we, we didn't know whether or not we we're going to be stuck there. We didn't know what's going to happen. We didn't know where we we're flying to. It was um, it was too much and it was it wasn't possible to happen. I guess when they say go to America, that's kind of broad. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know where we we're flying to. Just say, get 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 to the airport. You're flying to, to the states and was it was that where? Uh, we don't know where yet. But just get get to the states. It must be a blessing in disguise. You see, Ashley uh, Evan Smith ended up flying out to London, was there for on the ground basically for 24 hours, had to head back because the event had been canceled. So uh, really yeah, a tough situation for everybody uh, involved yeah. in, in the UFC in that particular event especially. Yeah, exactly, especially for the rest of the world as well. You know what I mean? There's a lot going on. And to uproot my, my coaches, they're like way older than me. You know what I mean? Some of like in the, in the 50s, in the 40s, and get, they got families, they got kids, they got businesses, and... And for me to say, oh, let's leave straight away within two or three hours, um, not knowing where you're flying to, not knowing whether or not you would come back to your family, especially in, in a time like this, it, it was just impossible to, to get done. And we didn't get it done. And it, luckily, I didn't fly to the States. Look, now they canceled the fight literally like five hours, five, five hours after after that, they canceled the whole event anyway. So um, luckily, I, I didn't fly to the States. Otherwise, I would have got stuck there. So when you heard from your agent and said, get to the States right away, how long did it take you to realize that that was just not going to be possible, that that was uh, too much to ask? Um, I said to him, where, where am I flying from? He said, oh, you're flying from London. Okay, from my house, to get to London, it's two hours drive, right? The plane, I woke up at 9 o'clock. You meant to get to London, get, get to the airport by 11 o'clock, 11 a.m. Um, I phoned my manager, I phoned my, 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 my team, said, uh, what, what can we do, blah, 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 for the UFC, just seeing, we can get like a longer, maybe Monday probably, give us like a little time to get, get our stuff together to get to, um, to get to the States, but you just couldn't get done because Monday, they're bringing like the band, so you, you wouldn't be able to fly to the, to, to the States on Monday, so you had to leave on Sunday, so I think it'd probably take, after like a couple hours of trying and going back and forth for the UFC, just, it was impossible to get done. Training camps aren't cheap, um, do you know uh, if any of these fighters are getting compensated for this late cancel? I guess late postponement or cancellation. Um, I'm not getting. I'm I'm heard nothing about myself, let alone the rest of the team, rest of the fighters. You know what I mean? Um, as far as I know, we're not getting we're not getting nothing. Um, for a training camp, I, I spent um tons of money for my my coaches, my nutrition, and now it's just all gone to waste. Really, um, you didn't get to compete. You're not getting paid. You're not get so. What did you think of the UFC holding an event this past week in Brasilia? Um, I watched it. It was weird. I was watching it. <laughs> it was a strange event because there was like, I was an empty arena and um, also the fight still went on. I, I would have done that as well in, in, in the UK. You know what I mean? If they said to me, oh, we'll do the same with what we do in Brazil, but in the UK, I'd be like, okay, cool, let's go. Because fight's a fight end of the day. It doesn't matter whether there's a crowd or there's not a crowd. You know what I mean? So if that was the option, I 100% would have done that, that option and but they still got they still got paid at least you know what I mean they still got to compete they still got paid um, uh, it would it would have been weird for me because my old dream is to headline uh, a UFC event in my in my homeland and to have that taken away from me not having a crowd there would it would have would have been hard but um, I, I, I would have still fought. Was there any attempt for cage warriors to take this fight on? I know obviously Tyron traveling back and forth wasn't a, a great option, but it is yeah. just one fight. I don't know if that was a possibility. I know they've absorbed two of the fights. One of them has since been yeah. canceled. But uh, what do you think of, A, Cage Warriors going on with this event, knowing what we know now, 
And B, was that even discussed? Um, not not at all. Uh, I, I didn't know that was happening until Tuesday. So uh, someone announced that the Cage Warriors doing like a few of the prelim guys is going to Cage Warriors. But that I think our fight is too big to go to Cage Warriors anyway. To have me and Tyron Woodley on cable, and he even flew anyway to the to the UK to find Cage Warriors. You know what I mean? So let, that that wouldn't have happened. That that wasn't an option. Um, as far as the show still going on. Fair play. If you can do it, do it. You know what I mean? Um, I know these guys don't get paid a lot of money, so they 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 need the money. You know what I mean? Especially um, guys from my gym is competing in casual as well on the on Friday tomorrow. So um, fair play to them. If you can get it done, get it done. It looked like uh, a carrot was kind of dangled in front of Tyron Woodley with the possibility of fighting Colby Covington, a fight that might have come together had they been able yeah. to do a mass gathering above 10 people. Do you think that this fight with Tyron Woodley is going to get rescheduled with him in the back of his head thinking you might be able to get a shot at Colby? Um, I hope so. I know I, I see you calling that Colby. It's, it's like a random – it's that like weird to me, right? Because if you had a fight booked um, for like a world crisis, something happened, so the, the, the fight didn't happen. You want to get it rescheduled, right? Like for me, I want I want to get rescheduled. Ethan wants Colby Covington, blah blah blah. So he's he's a very 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 strange man. I don't I don't know what he's doing. So I'm I'm hoping that's gonna get rebooked again. Hopefully again in London. Um, I get to show my home my hometown again. Um, so I haven't heard nothing yet from the USC, but I'm I'm guessing the same fight is on again after everything calms down. Yeah, this was your first fight you would have ever headlined in the UK. Um, how, how devastating is that for you? I mean, I'm sure that that was such a massive opportunity uh, for you to showcase your, your talents in front of a home crowd. Yeah, for sure. Um, like I said, this, this is my third um, main event in the UFC, and this will be my first one at home. And this is what I dreamed of from a kid, you know what I mean, to headline um, a UFC back in, back in the UK to, to win titles. And all that was taken away from me in this fight because if I beat Tom Woodley, then I, I fight for the title next. You know what I mean? So all that was taken away from this. What, what what's that, what's going on now in the world? So it's very hard. It's very difficult. But what can I do? The rest of the world is suffering as well, and um, I think this is bigger than fighting because this couldn't get done possible. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, it's heartbroken. For the next couple of weeks, you're going to be at home for a lot of that time. I've been asking the different fighters I've been speaking with. I know you're probably not in the most lighthearted of moods, but I'm asking for a, a recommendation of a movie, a TV show, an album, um, a book, and a fight to recommend to those uh, those at home who have a little bit of extra time on their hands. So if you could choose any movie from any time that you've seen uh, to recommend to people to watch, what would it be? Uh, I like, like, I like old movies like Scarface, Training Day, um, stuff like that, really. Um the Muhammad Ali movie with Will Smith. There's a few. There's a few movies to watch. I like, I like to watch like old movies. So any of them really. TV show. What's your favorite TV show ever? What would you recommend? Any 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 BBC comedies like uh, that you might have for us, like Faulty Towers or anything along those lines. Uh, comedy. I don't know. I don't know about TV shows. I like series. Count the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, um, my favorite one of all time is um Breaking Bad series wise. That's like my favorite series series of, of all time. So I recommend Breaking Bad. And what about a book? Uh, I don't know. There's a few. The Art of War. I like the Art of War. 
I'm doing like a Marmalade book now. I like to read like stories, like real stories, like. So someone bought me like a Marmalade book, like is from from was a kid to like to the retired and um that's all that's what I'm looking into now reading now. So stuff like that really. I'm the same way. I don't read fiction. Maybe I just have a bad imagination. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and finally, <laughs> give me an album that you would recommend to to folks. Uh, I'm a hip hop head, right? So it'd be like. If on old school, we'd be like Tupac, Biggie, stuff like that. If on new school, we'd be like Little Baby, Meat Mill, people like that. So it depends on what, what, what you're into. I'm into like hip-hop, so. Well, you're a UK guy. You're into the streets. Are you into that uh, Psychodrama by Dave? We, yeah. We got we to gotta, gotta recommend that kind of stuff. Yeah, Dave, Stormzy, um, Fredo. You got loads of, loads of UK guys that's doing big things. I'm like a hip-hop head, so UK and, and, and the States. I like both, both hip-hop. All right, Leon. Well, thanks for joining me. Um, and uh, I know that this has been a difficult couple of weeks for you, uh, especially this this past week. Uh, so thanks uh, thanks for doing this. I know that it's uh, it's probably difficult to talk about this uh, huge opportunity getting taken uh, out from underneath your feet. Obviously, nobody's fault, uh, but we've all got to stay safe during this pandemic. Thank you, same brother. Thanks for the interview and stay safe with the family. That was Leon Edwards on the TSN MMA show, and we've got a couple more interviews for you. We're going to play them back to back. We've got an interview with. Aljamain Sterling talking about the bantamweight division, how the coronavirus has impacted him and his status in the division. And we also have a couple more interviews for you as well. We've got an interview with Tristan Connolly, who is back in Vancouver now after training at the UFC PI for some time. And Eric Andrews joins us as well. So please enjoy these interviews and uh, a lot more interviews to come on tsn.ca slash UFC. I'm now joined by the funk master, Aljamain Sterling, who's uh, at home in Long Island. I'm here in, uh, in my basement. I feel like I'm hosting Wayne's World. But, uh, Aljo, how are things for you right now? Um, it's definitely not Wayne's World over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but pretty good. Doing all right. Um, just trying to not die via boredom. I want to compare the lifestyle of a fighter compared to... Most of the general population, I, a lot of people sit at desks all day, or you, you know, you're driving a truck. Your day is kind of pretty even, I guess. In terms of fighters, though, everybody's in the gym. You're working on different schedules. You're you're exerting energy, exercising, all of these different things. How do you think it's different for an athlete than, I guess, a member of the general population in dealing with something like this, where you're kind of stuck at home? I mean, it's a little tough for me to exactly say what it is that's different. I mean, I can speak for myself. I know as an athlete and other athletes, I think I could speak to um, the situation that we're all experiencing right now is the lack of having a gym, the lack of having training partners. And obviously not every training partner that you have are fighters. You have jujitsu partners who just solely come from work. They hit the the, uh, jujitsu mats. You have wrestling partners who go to class. Um, they're at work or they come they come to the gym. That's kind of like their free time. So I think it's a little tough for everybody. For me, it's just more so not having those bodies to work out with that I am traditionally used to having. And and now it's just it's almost like you'll be living a bubble. It's really weird. Tell me if you agree with this. There's no worse place to be in the UFC than in the bantamweight division. And the reason why I say that is if you look back, even before Cejudo and Dillashaw, there were only four people that competed for the belt in like three years. It was Cody Garbrandt, Dominic Cruz, Uriah Faber, TJ Dillashaw. This has been one of the slowest moving divisions in really the history of the UFC. Would you agree with that? Uh, I don't know if it's the history. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, there's been other situations where guys were having 
like a draw and they have to have an immediate rematch and things like that. But I would say of late, I know you had the craziness with TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrand. They had to run it back. And then when it finally had some some movement, um, it got stagnant again with TJ going down to 25. And then it got stale with, um, not stale, but got stagnant with like the division wasn't progressing and moving forward. And they wanted the division to develop. And now you have a ton of names in the division where everyone's kind of trying to figure out who's the next guy. And, uh, yeah, you got contenders knocking off contenders and just a, a log, uh, a backlog of guys on win streaks. So right now we're just in a weird spot where everybody's trying to figure it out. Are you kind of the odd man out at this point in time? You've got Sandhagen apparently going to fight Cruz if Cruz agrees to it. Uh, you've got Peter Jan against Marlon Moraes. What's next for you? I guess Frankie Edgar might be the only logical opponent. Uh, I mean, I would like to get that Frank Yeager fight, especially being that he's the reason why I'm in this situation with my surgery right now. Um, you know, I would have gotten the surgery right after the fight if they didn't dangle the carrot of fighting Frankie Yeager in front of me. So uh, I would like to still give it out, get an opportunity to make that fight happen. Um, to, to fight a guy like that who's done what he's done and accomplished in the sport would be huge for my resume. Win or lose, obviously I'm going out there to win, of course. Going out there to finish his ass, but... Uh, I think just the guy with that type of accolades would be just monumental for my career. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no one else. I think it's kind of locked up right now. I, I don't know if the fight with Cruz and Sanhagen is going to happen. If that fight doesn't happen, I could see myself potentially fighting Corey Sanhagen, the top four um, guys fighting, and whoever comes out the, with the best performance for the winners will probably be the guy to get the next shot. I'm not sure if you watched Marais versus Aldo live. Uh, if you did, how did you score it? I'm curious. I watched it live, but from home and watching it at home, I immediately thought the scores were wrong. I thought Aldo got the nod. But then when I went back and watched it, I, I said to myself, you know what? I can see how Marlon could win and I can also see how Aldo will win. But in a fight where it's like that, it's super hard to score. And I think when it gets so subjective to the point where it's like, well, if I favor this more, I'm scoring it this way. Or if I favor the footwork more and then the the ending of the round more, then I score it this way. Then maybe we have ourselves a consensus draw. And that's why I'm so confused by the sport because I feel judges are, are so reluctant to want to score around 10-10 because they feel someone has to win the round. I'm like, well, if Aldo's circling, if Marlon's circling for three minutes, three and a half minutes, and then finally decides to engage, and yeah, you could say Aldo didn't land that much in the third round, but he did land. And then you get Marlon, and he's pushing forward, he's the aggressor, so you, that has to count for something. And then you get Marlon, who starts to push back after he gains some of his cardio or his wind back, whatever you want to call it. He sees a minute and a half left on the clock, now he's trying to push forward with some combinations and not everything lands. So for me, it's like you have to pick and choose what weighs more in your mind. And when it gets that close to the, to the nitty-gritty, like the fine details, it's just like, yo, dude, this fight is a wash. It's it's a draw. You can't say he won. You can't say he lost because no one definitively won and no one definitively lost, in my opinion. But that's when I went back and watched the tape. When I first watched it live, the same thing with the John Jones-Reyes. When I first watched it live, I thought Reyes won. Same thing. I first watched it live. I thought Aldo won. I went back and watched it, and I said, you know what? Let me – I changed my tune on that because now I can see it. I'm not – one, I'm not drinking, <laughs> and two, uh, I can score it from a more 
step back perspective, not watching it as just solely as a fan. You know, it's funny. There's always uh, the level of objectivity. I think with Aldo, everybody was so happy to see that he made the weight and it would be a real comeback story for him to come and beat a guy like Marlon Moraes who just fought for the title months prior. You know, people have kind of the rose-colored glasses on when it comes to a lot of these fighters. Same with Dominic Reyes in the case of John Jones. People want to see John Jones go down. So people automatically kind of cheer for the other side. Uh, And you mentioned the scoring system. I've I've always said that you can't fit uh, a round peg into a square hole, or a square peg rather, into a round hole. Uh, And I think that a 10-9 system in MMA just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I've always advocated for a a half-point system where... In a round like the one you mentioned with, with Marlon circling, you could give Aldo a 10 to 9.5 round. And then if there was another close round earlier in the fight, 10 to 9.5, maybe it ends up being a draw like you mentioned. So there are just a lot of problems, I think, with both the objectivity of the judges, the people in attendance, those watching at home, as well as the scoring system. I, I agree. And um, I, I think a lot of people are blinded by their hate for a guy like John Jones that they can't be, you know, they can't be objective about the fight and kind of watch it and not let their bias kind of like sway their sway their mind and opinion on what they actually saw and it's like you have to go tit for tat with people like that where you have to show physical evidence it's like dude i i don't have that type that type of time and luxury of of that available for me to go do that with every single outrage fan that i scored the other way and blah 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 whatever you know so that's that's kind of the way I see it, and with the judging, man, that's a whole different topic. When I look at this this stuff, I'm like, I don't know what the credentials are for people who are current judges to get those positions of power. It's, so for me, I find it super offensive that I can pour my entire life into an art, mixed martial arts, which is you know obviously multiple arts, but this is my art, this is my sport, this is what I do for a living. This is how I put food on a table where someone else comes in as a judge who can have so much impact on my life and my livelihood and my future because if I get paid less, that affects my future. If I get paid more, that affects my future. So for those people who come in and get those important positions of power and they have no credentials to back it, I think it's a—it's not a little. It's very unfair to us to not know what this person's accolades are to come in and have the right to judge our fights. And there should be some type of background thing. I know that people say that oh, they take these tests. I, I, it's all bullshit if you ask me. There should be some level of experience and criteria, almost like a real legitimate school. Not no one-week nonsense, one-month nonsense. It should have to be a rigorous program, the same way we have to go through the same climbing of the ranks when we go through the amateur ranks to the pro ranks to establish ourselves and to get to somewhere like the UFC or a Bellator or 1FC to get to that high level. So I, I, I think when you hold those people more accountable, there's going to be better judging across the board. Um, not some guys who are coming in and kind of doing it as a hobby, guys who are drinking the day of the event, smoking the day of the event, and coming in, they're sitting cage side, they're sitting like this. It's just like... These are the people that we hold at this level of power that are judging what we do for a living. And for them, it does not even matter. If they get it wrong, you don't even get a chance of an appeal. Before, you used to hear about commissions at least reviewing tape. They don't review tape anymore. They just deny your shit and throw it out. They don't give a fuck. We're just wash and done. Wash and done, they get paid for the next event. They get paid for the next event. And it's, it's super unfair. And if I think if they were in our positions and they can see what it feels like to, to be so reliable on what their opinions are 
they can see where we come from when, when we say things like this. So it was super frustrating as a, as a current fighter, a current fighter in the, in the top of the division who's been around for a very long time. And obviously the 10-point the must system is a boxing system, and it doesn't work um, for MMA. There's just too much variables going on. It's, and even when I watch the scoring of boxing, is so stupid. Like I watch that, and I'm like, I don't even know what scores. You see guys getting hit all the time, and then you think the guy won the round, and then you, you look at the judging scorecards, and it's like Triple G versus Canelo. It's a, it's a draw. And I'm like, how in the fuck is a fight like that a draw? I think it was the first one. Yeah, the first one. Where, where I clearly thought Triple G won. And I'm a big Canelo fan, but it's, it's 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 not black and white for us. There's so much gray area where there's so much room for error where someone could make a mistake. And I'm not even saying mistake. They could call it the way they see it fit for their perspective. And there's no room for questioning whatsoever. If you can if you can verify why you say what you say, then I'm okay with it. And I can live with it. But if you give us no opportunity for debate and you just say someone wants because you just think they won based on what? We don't know what you're basing that on. It's just whatever you say goes. You 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 write up your scorecards, you you throw it in, and and that's it. Like what's considered a significant strike? What's considered a just a strike? So it's like it's there's so much moving parts to this that, like I said, I don't think a ten point must system can really involve all the intricate details of a fight like M- MMA is so complicated. And there's so much things going on. Cage control, there's footwork, there's effective um, defense, there's effective um, striking, there's effective grappling, um, effective defensive grappling and things like that. Like, there's just so much going on that I, I don't know. I, like I said, I just think these guys need to have some type of real credibility, not know oh, I went to school for a month and I got a certificate that makes me feel like the man or the woman, so I get to – Judge your fight, and I get to sit front row for free. And I, that's what I'm starting to feel like it's becoming. I mean, we're the highest, most, the fastest, most growing sport, right? So we should have the respect to have some people who are there that are competent and actually pay the sport as much respect as we do. Because um, at the end of the day, this, like I said, man, this is our livelihood. If someone comes in and starts t- critiquing you on your job, and they've never done it before because they went to school for a week or two weeks. You'll be pretty pissed off that this guy or girl is critiquing you and telling you you're doing a great job or a shitty job. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's weird. It's a simple judging system for a very complex art. And I think the reason why is because they're worried that the commissions can't do math, which is pretty alarming. But uh, I also did a report about a month ago on uh, Joe Solis, who was the judge of the James Krause Trevon Giles fight. He's friends with Trevon Giles on Facebook. He got a black belt under the coach that Trevon Giles has. I mean, these kind of conflicts of interest are totally avoidable. And I I know that Team Sarah Longo's had the same sort of situation with Douglas Crosby in the past. It just amazes me that a fight like that isn't immediately overturned when they find out the evidence behind that. Exactly. And that's what's the real disturbing part. I'm like, I understand you guys are friends or butt buddies, whatever you want to call it. Um, You guys might grab a couple beers or or two after, after the event or before the event. But it's not right that you guys can dictate that they can dictate what happens to our career. They literally can shape your career with a win or loss. I fought Rafael Suntau to a to a split decision. I fought Brian Caraway to a split decision. My first round against Brian Caraway should have been a 10-8 round, was not deemed a 10-8 round. I lost that fight 29-28, 29-28, So Obviously, something is off there. Obviously, you could say make room that I lost the second and third round, whatever. A Sun South fight, fast forward to that. 
Now I'm being judged on a kickboxing fight. There's no there's no grappling. It's all stand-up. I outland them. Someone says, one of the judges justifies everything by saying they don't score leg kicks. They don't score body kicks. So have you been kicked before to the to the point that you know what those attacks feel like that you can say, oh, a punch, because he landed a harder punch versus his hard kick that should outweigh the strike. I, I, I just can't, I can't wrap my head around the justification of what these people are, are saying. It's like, yeah, I can kick you in the leg right now. They, yeah, you can punch me, punch me in the face. Okay. But I can kick you in the leg or kick you in the body. And I guarantee either one, not, maybe not the leg kick, but the, definitely the body kick could probably put you down a hundred percent. So if you're landing glancing punches to the head, that should not outweigh a clean strike to the leg or a clean strike to the body. And obviously that fight was razor close. I'm not saying I won the fight. I thought the fight was as close as a draw. In my opinion, I definitely outlanded him when I did the tally for the strikes counted up. I just counted every single kick versus every single punch. And I outlanded the guy, whatever. But that's neither here or there. It's just you see these things. And like I said, it's just super frustrating that these guys can legit with them turning their head or making one mistake, missing one key moment or just not having the experience or the knowledge in certain backgrounds that they can say this is for certain why this guy should have won the fight. And it's their job to get educated or is the commission's job to put educated people in those positions of power and not their best friend who says, I watch UFC on the weekend. It has to be someone in there who's actually going out there and doing it. Absolutely. Well, you're at home. You're kind of bored. A lot of people are at home with uh, a lot of time on their hands. So I'm going to get some recommendations for you. I'm going to ask you for uh, a movie, a television show, a book and an album to recommend to uh, those at home that are looking for something to do, have a little bit of extra spare time on their hands. So what, what movie would you recommend? Give, give one movie to uh, those watching this interview. Uh, well, last night I actually just will finally watch Hobbs and Shaw, Fast and Furious. That was actually pretty good. Um, and Sonic. Sonic is actually pretty good too. So if you're not really into like the anime stuff, it's not really straight like a cartoon. It's like a come-to-life character, but that's actually a fun movie. Uh, TV show, I just binge watched all of the, the new show with Jason Momoa C on Apple TV. That was actually a pretty fun series. It's different. It gets pretty intense with what's going on. And uh, the way the season ended still has me, like, clinging for more type of thing. Um, and For Life, I'm actually in that show as one of the guys <laughs> in, the, in the background. Plug. <laughs> for Life with 50 Cent is actually based on a true story with a guy who was wrongfully convicted and actually went to jail um serving life and he became a lawyer got himself out and uh got a lot of inmates out as well who were wrongfully convicted as well and uh that's another show that i'm currently watching that's still going on right now and the flash i watch that what about a book what 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 book would you recommend any book from that you've ever read mm, mm. I'm not. I'm not really a book guy. <laughs> I'll tell you that straight up. I have no shame in saying that. I'm not really a book guy. I I feel like I ha barely have time to even to even get peace of mind to just relax sometimes. So uh, I mean now a lot more than ever. But uh, I'm usually always on the go. So maybe I need to actually go find a book and and read or something. Yeah, it's okay. I only read music biographies, and if it's not that, I won't read it. But uh, finally, uh, an album. Give me an album that you, you think people should listen to. What's one of your favorite albums of all time? Anything along those lines? Um, the Monk Manual. Um, I think it's by the artists, The Black Monks. That's actually a pretty good album. It actually just came out. And um, I'm trying to think of another one. 
Uh, I mean, J. Cole's album was pretty good. And there was another one I listened to that was pretty good, too. But I, I can't remember off the, the top of my head. I just know this one because I just finished listening to it. It's called uh, Monk Manual. Well, well, I have you. I mean, you're a New York guy. What's the best hip-hop album to ever come out of New York? There's so many to choose from. <sighs> so many. So many. You got Joey Badass. You got... You got Biggie, you got J. Cole. Well, no, J. Cole's not really from New York, but he did go to school out here. Um, obviously, you got Eric B. and Rakim. There's, there's, so, uh, there's a lot. LL Cool J's got some good stuff. You didn't, a, you didn't mention Enter the Wu-Tang, so I'm a bit offended. <laughs> Wu-Tang. There's, there's a lot. There's a, there's a ton. Uh, I, really, I couldn't really pick one. That's de- that's a definitely you got the new school cats who's out right now too. Um, it really depends on what type of genre that you're into in terms of like what type of flow I guess the new school flow which is kind of like the I don't want to say mumble rap but it is kind of mumble rap and versus the old school flow where you can actually hear everything that they're saying and actually understand it the first listen. So <laughs> it depends on what you're into. What about one fight? Somebody could go back and watch one fight all time. All time. Um, shit, man. You can watch that Dan Henderson versus Shogun Hua. You can watch John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson. One. Um, there's a lot of lot of good ones. Jose Aldo versus Chad Mendez. One. Um, two. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of th- great throwback fights for sure. Well, if I want to see a Sula Web stretch, I know where to look. Uh, thanks, Aljo. I appreciate your time. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm now joined by one of the top up-and-coming Canadians in the UFC. It's Tristan Connolly. Tristan, you had moved your camp to Las Vegas. You were working at the uh, Performance Institute for some time. Tell us how everything's been lately. Uh, obviously, you're back in Vancouver now. Give me just a, a sense of your last week. Uh, well, it's been I'm sure, crazy, just like everyone else's. Uh, yeah, I was down in uh, Vegas training. Um, there, it was really a, a whole series of events leading up to end up eventually having to come back home here to Vancouver. Um, but I basically, you know, our last week, like we, we knew things were going kind of crazy last week, but looks like, you know, the UFC was still going to move forward. Everything else was canceling. They looked like that a way around it. Uh, and so I was just staying so mentally head, staying headstrong and going, okay, I'm still fighting. doesn't matter. Same, same thing's going to happen. And, uh, I'm just not gonna go back to Canada because initially I had a plan to come back to Canada for a week and then go to Portland from there for fight week. And then when everything started happening, we figured, oh, well, maybe something might happen with the borders. But if they're still running the fights, I'll just stay in Vegas. So I planned to stay right through the whole time. Uh, Friday, they were still like, yep, uh, still planning on having fights. Probably be the Apex, well, uh, which was great because I'm already there. So I was like, I was going to stay in Vegas for the whole time, fight. And then Monday, come in or we fight here. I think it was on the weekend. We found out okay, it's not going to be the Apex, but they're going to get somewhere else, wherever it was. And then Monday, they're saying, yep, still working on having it. And then we were at the, we just finished training in the morning and then went to the PI. And we we're using all the, uh, you know, recovery stuff and just hanging out. And uh, they came in and said, yeah, like, this is the last day. We got to go. So with no gyms open, nowhere to train, nowhere to get food, it was uh, time to book a flight home. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So you were, you were basically all systems go until that person came into the room and said, sorry. Yeah, guys. pretty much, pretty much. I did not want to go. And, and our, I was there with uh, Cole Smith and everyone and both of our families were saying, Hey, it's time to come home. Time to come home for days. We're like, no, we're waiting. We're waiting. And like, there's any chance they might fight. 
I'm sticking around. I'm waiting. I even uh, my manager. He start had. He eventually had to be like Tristan. It's time to go home. Like <laughs> I'm like you think about your fight. He's like I, I doubted it at this point. He's like you should probably go. And I still waited until I got the official official word that everything was postponed. Yeah, I was touching base with a bunch of managers being like, what's the reality? Like, wh- where is this going to move to? And nobody really knew what was going on. No I mean, one knew. I, yeah. heard that, I heard that they were working on some uh, uh, native reserves. Um, mm. And, uh, I mean, I, I, this is rumors at that point, but I heard they were close to one. Uh, and then uh, I guess the, the federal government, uh, the U.S., changed their policy saying no groups more than 10 people they wanted, which made it impossible. And that was it. That was all she wrote. Yeah. Not a rumor. Dana White said it, so you're good. Yeah. You're not. You're not yeah, revealing okay. any uh, any inside yeah, okay. info. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you're not going to get in trouble. Good. So we're, we're okay. <laughs> well, I so, mean, uh, I, I, I they don't tell me anything. I mean, I, I hear the same rumors everyone else does. So, um, you know, maybe uh, more people are talking with the rumor, but it's still it's still rumors to everyone. <laughs> well, it's difficult for you. I mean, when you have a fight scheduled you can't get distracted by anything. Like, you've got to be zeroed in on it. So I'm sure that you and a lot of the other fighters on the roster that had uh, fights coming up in Columbus or Portland had to remain laser-focused. Yeah, and and you know what? To be everyone down there was, uh, there was a bunch of people down at the PI. Uh, Like, Walt Harris was there, Eric Anders, they're both on my card, a bunch of other guys, and they they weren't getting phased by it. They're like, okay, yeah, we're fighting here now. Okay, it doesn't make a difference. I mean, as a fighter, you can't, People are saying, isn't it weird fighting without a crowd? Not really. I mean, the, if anything, the crowd would be distracting. It's just noise. When you're fighting, you can't focus on anything else. If you're not 100% focused on the fight, well, then you're going to be distracted. So it really doesn't matter if there's no one there or 20,000 people there. It's just uh, uh, it, the fight's the fight. And uh, the, uh, the fighters that make it at this level, too, are very, very able to separate themselves from that, I think. I spoke to Eric Anders actually about an hour ago. And, oh, really? uh, yeah, and I, I said, you know, what are you doing now that there's the social distancing? He's like, training. Nothing yeah. really changed. Training. Nothing really changed. <laughs> uh, for me, obviously, I have, I'm a, for two weeks, I'm a little bit, I can't do much. I'm going for a run right now outside, but uh, I can't really do much here. I can't be going through, I had to come through LAX and YBR and, you know, and obviously go to the Las Vegas airport as well. All So, I mean, I have to stay away for two weeks just to be safe, right? My wife's pregnant as well can't have you near her so she's at her parents house so i'm all by myself i'm just going to be stretching going for runs for two weeks and then the second that i can we'll start doing small groups of training and stay ready because the reality is the ufc will likely figure out a way to run these small closed events it's just all happening too quickly right now uh and uh they're they're likely going to run multiple events in a week like they'll just they'll they'll make up these cards and they'll do lots of events because they figure out how to do it, man. The world will be watching. And uh, uh, so I have to stay ready. I have to be careful not to eat too much. And uh, uh, that's the hardest part of this whole quarantine. <laughs> do you think that's the right move, though? If the UFC does reschedule these sometime in the near future when, let's say, you're allowed to have public gatherings of 50 or less people and they do it at the apex and for whatever reason the Nevada State Athletic Commission signs off on that, uh, is that the right move? I mean, this virus is spreading like crazy. The, the, um, the percentage of uh, people each day in America that – are testing positive in terms of the increase is, is you know, it's, it's unprecedented numbers. You're talking 40, 43%. Uh, so do you think that it's the right move to still look ahead and try to plan things in the not so distant future when the reality of the situation is this could go on for months? Okay, it could, and it likely will go on for months. And I, I think that there, there will, I, I mean, I, I totally understand how hard they're trying to get things going for this week and the next couple of weeks, but 
obviously things got worse uh, at, during that time uh, and we had they had to adjust but I do think in the next couple of months is probably not going to change a lot but I think the ability to organize and run these smaller events is probably going to be fine it just takes a lot more planning a lot more organization they'll have to really testing everyone in that, that that's going and I think the unique thing about fighting is you only have really two people that are really that really get, getting really close together. So you don't have big teams of people. Um, you can keep different groups of fighters all separated more, much more in the back. You can keep people away from each other a lot easier. I think there will be a way to do it. And in this uh, prolonged uh, event, if it is prolonged, and it probably will be, I think fighting might be one of the, the best things we have because it's something we probably can make happen and we can have as entertainment. So I feel even more of an obligation to be ready and plan, prepare. Even if it doesn't happen, I, I you know, the 0.1% chance that there's a fight, I have to be ready. What was it like living in Las Vegas? That You mentioned your wife's pregnant. Congratulations on that, by the way. But uh, you've been living in Vegas for some time. Has she been with you or what's it like, been like kind of uprooting for a little bit? No, no, she stayed here. I, I went, to, went to Vegas for the most of January. She came down, visited for a little bit, and I came back for a month. And I was going, planning to be there for another month, so I went back. So she's staying at home this time. Uh, being in Vegas was, I mean, Vegas is great for uh, uh, people. You know, obviously everything is shutting down. But for us, I mean, people are still training for, even though the classes are canceled at a bunch of the gyms, we still are getting together and doing our group, smaller group things. It was all the same. People down there, no one was going crazy. Even the airports, it, it, there was a strange calmness to everyone. There was no one seemed panicked or hectic. Everyone was calm. Everyone was relaxed. Everyone kind of, I guess, it was with this, everyone seems to know what's going on and kind of respects it. And because of that, there's a calmness. I had, didn't see, it just felt like another you know, going to the airport is a little slower than normal. Everyone was uh, very polite, nice, calm, all in Vegas. Everyone, you know, Friends, every you talk to people, and everyone's you know joke making, uh, you know funny little jokes as best you can about the situation, and uh, and yeah, I mean it's kind of we're seeing everyone come together, I think, and that's uh it's really a positive thing. You're still a relative newcomer in the UFC, so when you're down at the PI, let's insert name here. Is there anybody that you kind of fanboyed out over when you saw them? Uh, I haven't, no. Um, I, I know I like seven people do all the time, but. Uh, it, it, the more people you meet, everyone's just completely really normal. Um, I haven't seen. Uh, I've never really had the type, not the type of person that's have like, oh, a favorite this or a favorite that. Like, I mean, I haven't had a favorite color since as a kid. You know, everyone else, oh, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite? I, I like a lot of different things. Like, I, I, I like lots of stuff. I like lots of fighters, and I, none of them I'm never like captivated by any of them. So, uh, and I feel like I kind of, you know, I'm. I deserve to be there. And so I feel like I'm a part of the group rather than I don't really get that, that starstruckness. I, I feel like I put in a lot of work. I know I'm new, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of their team, not, you know, a, a fan so much. And uh, so it's nice just to be accepted in and into all their groups. And I, you know, when I start, everyone, every fighter I've met, you start talking to them and they're just, you know, they're super friendly, start a conversation right away. No one, people think that would be, jerks aren't by any means that i've met at this point so uh kind of went on a tangent but <laughs> i hope that answers the question well you've just made my next segment uh, fairly irrelevant i've been asking every fighter what their favorite movie is favorite uh, movie <laughs> favorite uh album favorite tv show 
favorite book to recommend to those who are at home during social distancing because oh, you God, don't have no, favorites. I, I'm a bad, maybe maybe I'm a you can put that version. Horrible <laughs> but, yeah, person let, to ask for that. Let, let's put let's put that part aside. Let's pretend you never said that you didn't have a favorite blank. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one of your one of your favorite movies that you could recommend to those who are uh, <sighs> engaging in social distancing and have a little bit of extra time on their hands. Yeah. Uh, what? I'm trying to think. God, I mean, what well, you? I, well, I I would say you know uh, the Boondock Saints is one of my favorite movies. If you haven't watched that, for that's where my walkout song came from. Uh, the music for that movie. Um, and I haven't seen any movies that have been really. Uh, lately that have been really really amazing is that where boondock uh, comes from your nickname yeah my nickname comes from that movie so uh that was one of my favorite movies uh of older movies that i like my two my that were my favorite for a long time was boondock saints and reservoir dogs those are two of my favorites so mm-hmm. going back and if you want to go watch some older movies those two are great you know what i don't like about reservoir dogs is like the the subsequent tarantino movies are like three hours long and i always think like if reservoir dogs was three hours it would have been like amazing like they could have made uh, it even yeah better. <laughs> you could have, because the whole thing with the movie was that they, he painted a picture without ever seeing what was going on. You could really, you knew what happened. You knew the whole situation. I think with more, you could have probably even painted an even better picture uh, with uh, everything that happened at the heist and everything that went on. And when you really see none of it, you know, it's all just through conversation between other people that you get all this, uh, all all the background of what happened. And I just thought that you did a a spectacular job with uh, his all the uh, conversation and the way he did put it together. And uh, what about TV shows? Is there a TV show you think people should watch? Uh, right now, TV show. What uh, what am I watching right now? Um, honestly, I've been watching. Me and uh, Cole have been watching a lot of Trailer Park Boys down. That's really kind of our thing when we've been down in Vegas. We're like, oh, let's watch Trailer Park Boys. So if you haven't watched Trailer Park Boys, yeah, I, I go back and watch. It's it's awesome because I've re, we've we rewatched all the old episodes and they're I, I swear they're even better than when I, when I first watched them. I'm pretty sure we have that on Crave TV. So cheap plug there. Uh, yeah. Favorite album? <laughs> Give us an favorite album, album. To, to listen to. Uh, you know, I, one of my favorite albums. Uh, I, I always like Green Day. Dookie was always one of my favorite my albums. My son's favorite album. Yeah. Is it? It's a great album. And it's funny. I again now I, I just go on on Spotify and just hit random playlists of the same classic hip hop from the nineties and uh, classic rock from the nineties. It's funny how that happens that you start liking older music as you get older. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I feel, I feel you on that. Uh, and a book, any book that you would recommend to those uh, at home? Oh, uh, I haven't read a book in God knows how long. Um, if you, I, you know, I hope they serve beer in hell was, is good for some, uh, for some laughs, if you know, to lighten things up at this time. Um, that book was probably one of the last books I've read. It's been a long time, but uh, it was great. I, I brought it with me for when I was traveling because it's just a bunch of little stories that are absolutely hilarious. And uh, if you want to lighten the mood, it's definitely a good book for that. And I'll recommend Michelle Peheja versus Tristan Connolly as a fight to watch. But how about one from you? What's what's one of your favorite fights of all time? Oh, I just talked about uh, Diego Sanchez versus Clay Guida. We were, uh, me and Cole were just talking about that fight the other day and how you know, it's probably one of the few fights when it happened. I went back and watched it over and over and over again. That was one of my one of the that would be a very good one to go back and watch. I think I might do that again today. All right. Well, thanks for this, Tristan. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully, this stuff blows over in the next couple of months, and we can get everything back on back to normal, sense of normalcy, not just in the fight game, but in life. And uh, yeah. again, thanks again for this. No, thanks, Aaron. Thanks for your time. Talk to you later. I'm now joined by your boy Eric Anders. Uh, unfortunately, a fight booked for him on April the 11th in Portland, Oregon, uh, canceled or at least postponed, according to the UFC. How's life changed since you found out that the fight would be postponed? 
Uh, man, to be honest, you know, life really hasn't changed much for me. You know, I'm still in the gym, still training. Uh, kind of got off my diet a little bit because, you know, uh, I seriously doubt we'll be fighting any time before, uh, before May. So, you know, uh, so take some time, relax, you know, still training, you know, out here doing, the yard, doing yard work and whatnot. So, you know, life for me hasn't changed much at all. I know that one of your training partners is Walt Harris, and he was supposed to headline that event. I think it would be the first time he headlined the card, obviously uh, under some very tragic circumstances in his life. Uh, how was the vibe during this training camp uh, compared to other ones, knowing what he'd been through? Man, to be honest with you, man, I think the Walt needs the gym. You know, he comes to the gym, and he's just, he's, it's just like, you know, uh, and not, nothing's changed. You know, we make fun of him. He cracks jokes, tells jokes, and he's just one of the guys. You know, he's singing, dancing, smiling, having a good time, and, you know, I think that the gym and the people in the gym and the training partners kind of helps him forget, at least for a little bit, uh, you know, the tragic circumstances that him and his family are going through right now. So, you know, I, I think it's been, you know, probably the best thing for him right now is to be in the gym, be around his, his teammates, training partners, coaches, things like that. And, uh, you know, to be one of the guys and not to be constantly reminded, you know, there's not there. Every time somebody sees him, they're like, oh, sorry, you know, my condolences, blah, blah, blah. You know, they just kind of remind him of it over and over again. But when he's in the gym, you know, we've already been past that. We've already done all that. So, you know, he wore some uh, some new balances in the gym the other day, and we got on his head as soon as he stepped in the door. So, you know, the gym is definitely not a safe place. But, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, he really enjoys being there. What's he doing now? Have you been checking in with him? Yeah, you know, he's in the gym training, getting ready. You know, uh, him and I were both supposed to be on that Portland car. So, um, you know, it's all kind of up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen, when we're going to fight or nothing. But, you know, we're still kind of sharpening those swords. Do you think that postponing this event was the right move? Um, yeah, man. You know, me personally, I'm not really too much worried about, like, coronavirus or nothing like that. You know, I don't hang around, like, old older people. Like, my parents don't live here, so... I, I don't think I have very much risk of like affecting like the people who are at risk or whatever. So, but at, at the same time, you know, it's an ever evolving thing. And I honestly don't think that uh, nobody really knows how serious this is because you listen to one person, they say two weeks. You listen to somebody else, they say five months. So, you know, I think everybody's just kind of playing this by ear. And I, and I think it's better to err on the side of caution than to, than to roll the dice and then, you know, something even worse breaks out or happens or whatever. Now, you were preparing for Christoph Jotko. Uh, it's not certain that he's going to be your next opponent, but in terms of your timeline, if they called you, you're ready to go whenever? Is that what your mindset is? Yeah, absolutely. You know, at, at, at this point, like I say, you know, uh, you know, the fight was less than a month away the, from when they, uh, you know, from our fight whenever they canceled it. So, you know, I was in shape, feeling good, you know, uh, starting to focus on that weight cut a little bit. And, uh, you know, I felt good, feeling great and uh you know i was gonna show up on the 11th and uh you know put that work in so now that social distancing is uh becoming a, a part of our regular life what are you spending a lot of your time doing these days training you know like i said nothing's really changed for me you know i still have the same training time still still the same training regimen you know uh it's just the comp team instead of other classes and other people in the gym uh so now it's like even more focused now that there's not like you know background noise and distractions and stuff in the gym I've been asking all of the different fighters this. It's uh, to give some advice to the people that are watching these interviews for how they're going to spend some extra time. You know, people have extra time at home now. People aren't going out quite as much. And nobody's going shopping for the most part. 
So I want you to recommend uh, one of your favorite movies, one of your favorite television shows, one of your favorite albums, one of your favorite books, and one of your favorite fights to those who are watching at home uh, to maybe give them uh, some recommendations from the Anders uh, household. So let's start with your favorite movie. My favorite movie of all time is Braveheart. Uh, it just really doesn't get anything better. You get the full like uh, realm of emotions, awesome dialogue, great fight scenes, action, you know, things like that. So uh, Braveheart is at the top of the list. Uh, my favorite book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, get some like uh, investment tips and, you know, kind of it's not it's not really a how to or what to do with your money kind of thing. It's just this guy's story and how he had like a, a stepdad who uh, wasn't educated, uh, but was a millionaire, found out how to, you know, found his passion and how to make money and whatnot. And he has a, you know, his real dad is like super educated, you know, Ivy League educated, but we still live in check to check. So he just talks about that, and, you know, how, how he goes about making money and his investments and things like that. Now, your dog, or are you getting attacked by a random dog Hell in the street? No, these, these are the dogs, my neighbor's dog, you know. Uh, you know, they, they seem to be a little stir crazy from the, the corona thing, too. You know, they usually take them out and take them for walks and whatnot, but. You know, the, the streets are empty here in Birmingham. Well, you're, you're a threat to them. They, they see that you're near their land, and they're trying to protect themselves. Man, these dogs don't want no problems, man. <laughs> all these right. dogs over here all bark, all bark at night. All right, let's, let's move on to your favorite TV show. Give me a TV show people should watch. Uh, I'm on this uh, Marco Polo right now on Netflix. Um, I don't think it's very historically accurate at all, but it's about uh, Kublai Khan and the Mongols and, and – uh, Marco Polo, you know, I'm into history and stuff. I'm not really sure how much interaction those two actually had in, in real life, but you know, it's a, it's an all right, it's an all right uh, uh, show to check out. What about an album? Give us an album to listen to. Oh, uh, probably my favorite album uh, that I could listen to in any era is probably "Get Rich or Die Trying." Uh, Fifty Cent, you know, it's like it's like one of those albums that every song on there was just awesome and it, you know it's kind of like his first first album so he really put put his heart and soul into that i feel like so that's my go-to i especially like that many men track on there i used to walk out to that uh when i was an amateur and finally give us a fight and all time any any fight that you think people should watch uh, if they have some spare time uh a good fight to watch uh Man, you know, about a year ago, is Israel Asanya, Kelvin Gaslam fought, and then uh, a few weeks ago, Joanna Jerzyerdik uh, and uh, Weili Zhang probably had one of the best fights uh, you ever could hope to ask to see. So, you know, those are two fights that jump off my head, uh, off the top of my head, is uh, those two fights. All right, there it is from your boy Eric Anders. Some recommendations for some of your time during social distancing. Eric, I appreciate this. Thank you. I hey, appreciate you, brother. Thank you for having me. Folks, I can't tell you how much it means to me to have you joining me during this uh, obviously very tough time in the world, not just the sports world, the, the world as a whole, having to self-isolate in some cases, quarantine in some cases, and uh, engage in social distancing. So even though there's a distance between us, I do hope that we are connected in this way where we can discuss things uh, in terms of mixed martial arts. And everything that could be happening in the future, obviously some speculation involved. But uh, a lot of interviews to come on tsn.ca slash UFC 
So please uh, stay tuned throughout the week. And any interview that I do there, I will make sure to incorporate into this podcast. Thanks again for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the TSN MMA Show.